0: If you're looking for a place to hang out, figure out where you can take the next step in your dairy farming business, then you're in the right spot. Welcome to the High Performance Herd Podcast. Here we will inform you what you can do today to future-proof your business for tomorrow. A Big thanks to our sponsors from Terra, IDEX, Kuru Diagnostics, Tasherd, Tasmanian Dairy Trust, Zoetis, NHIA, Datamars. I'm your host Andrew Savage. Enjoy this episode of the High Performance Herd podcast wherever you may be listening. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode and jump on our Facebook group the High Performance Herd Project. Today in the High Performance Herd studio I have Adam Daniel As well as being a director of NHIA, Adam has a long history of providing services to the dairy industry. Being a director of New Genes, a company providing freeze branding, dehorning, herd recording and insemination services to dairy farmers across Victoria. Adam is going to share his insights into what he has seen in the reproduction space during this time. What works, what doesn't and bust a few myths along the way. Welcome and uh yeah tell us something about yourself that most people don't know
1: all right thanks for having me andrew it's so much appreciated um something of people i don't know i uh i had a go at trying to make a living out of playing baseball in the u.s professionally when i was younger and uh and that took me about an hour after being there to work out that book the plane ticket and come home it's not going to happen so um uh, that was that was one thing. And the other one is I, I fell into this job with animals and genetics by pure chance. I actually quite like driving tractors. I have a little contracting business on the side, and my son has one, but uh, and I like doing that. But I had a head for figures and maths, and genetics is all about maths and the rest of it. So somehow that swayed into it. So I've been uh, 45 years in the workforce, and it's taken me – 44 years to work out that I, I still like driving tractors, but I'm probably pretty happy with the opportunity I got working with dairy cows and numbers and concepts with that. So I wouldn't say it's been a wasted life, although some days feel like it.
0: That's right. Yeah. Constant and never-ending improvement. And uh, yeah, from the fields of American baseball back to um to contracting and inseminating cows, it's yeah. a bit of a variety.
1: Yeah.
0: Yep. Um, NHIA, of what you're a director of uh, the national herd improvement association of australia they've been a great supporter of the high performance herd project can you give us a quick rundown who is nhia and uh, what's the purpose of this organization
1: yeah so i think it, it started uh, quite a while ago but nhia has gone through a couple of things so as the name says national herd improvement industry association it's a bit of a tricky one because you've got a whole host of people that work in the reproductive field out there that are competitors that you've got to get together and try and get some synergy and cohesion amongst them to do some things and, and, uh, and work together there. So while some days you're out there competing in business, the other part is you've got to have a bit of a voice out there to, to get things done. So, and it's to do, it, it does a lot of work with steam and importation as a part of the business that called ragtag, which uh, convenes with government, government authorities to help make sure that, process of you know not just bovine semen but semen that comes in and out of the country for reproductive purposes that uh, protocols are followed and that they get access to do that Uh, and then anything that comes up that they can uh, be advised on for government because not everybody realizes how important breeding is in whatever enterprise it is so you've got to keep putting that voice out there it obviously works with resellers and wholesalers in the semen uh, cattle production industries where it started it's looking to get a bit more into the beef world Uh, It used to run things like AI training, which went uh, by the by a few years ago, and that's come right back onto the agenda now. Um, And in the past, AI training was really a uh, government-based program that, like all government things, finished. Industry went out and did a little bit themselves, which was done through the bull farms, as we call them, or the wholesalers and the reseller network. And then uh, it had a bit of a fall over. Now it's got it coming back into it pretty well. And NHIA basically just got to be a facilitator to make sure that training's done. There'll be a lot of private people that do it. There's companies that do it as well out there now and probably be the resource of the information like the AI manual we have and those sorts of things. Um, as well as that, it it, it uh, it's probably going to look at but helping people with various parts of their business. We're pretty keen to have a discussion on running a herd improvement business and what's in it. A lot of people that do this sort of work when they start, it's a bit of a hobby, they quite like it. So to try and get that, and then the other part that I'm pretty keen on is to get it as a profession and a pathway with all the various aspects that go into herd improvement, not just breeding cows, but as the things we mentioned before, herd, herd recording, performance recording, there's a myriad of things and that are out there that we don't even know yet that we're going to be doing. So to, to make sure that so people that enter our industry that have got something They've got a pretty worthwhile job, and if they've got some uh qualifications for it and if they move somewhere else then they're, they're a value there as well so uh that's that's probably the the short version if
0: I can there's a fair bit going on there and uh, a bit of a moving feast for sure it is definitely yeah yeah um you personally um have been in this you know insemination game and herd improvement game for quite a few years um I guess um I would be interested to know what sort of key elements that you see are common across uh, farms that have um, good success rates as far as semen and um, you know conception goes because there's yep. a fair bit of variety out there and you must see a fair few patterns over over the years
1: yeah well yeah i have so i've been been involved in it uh, just on just coming up 30 years um, and at the start of it was you know wholesale selling semen was pretty important there was a lot of people out there and were doing that uh resellers or or, um uh, service providers as they were called were doing the ai there was a a distinct difference between the people that so-called had the the genetics profession and the people that did their arm up the cow so to speak um and that slowly morphed itself and and uh become one now there's people that have vast experience in both parts of it so um yeah, one of the, the big things that you see about it is the people that do very good have pretty good records of their cows. They actually know who their cows are. They've got them numbered. They've got them clearly numbered, whether it be ear tags or freeze branding. Electronic heat detection now is also coming in that with electronic numbers. But people have that and they stick to the basic rules. And the basic rules are pretty simple. Cows got to be about a minimum of 50 days postcard before you want to join it. And can you join cows before that? Well, yes, you can. You know, I have a vet locally here that tells me we've had cows that got pregnant. 10 days after calving? Well, yes. And on the bell curve of life, which genetics lives on, there'll be one at that end that'll get pregnant. And there's plenty at the other end that don't get pregnant. Um, so yeah, waiting 50 days post carving is pretty important. And realising that if that cow's to calve the same time each year, then day 84, 83, 84 is the day you want her pregnant. So you people do a lot of AI at, at uh, 63, 62, 66 days and the next one, and the one after that. So you've got basically those windows to get get it right. Um, And they stick to those basic rules of doing that. They'll do that one. They look after when they're dry. They try not to give them vaccinations before you start joining, drenching, do anything out of the ordinary, make sure the transition's pretty right from uh, calving right through, getting fed, all those sort of things. Because the funny part about it is when you breed cows, we've got a very small part of it. We pull some semen out of a tank. We hope we're going to do all that part of it, thaw it. We inseminate the cow. We put the semen in the right place. That's our job. Nothing else out of that spear influences. Everything else is influenced by the farmer out of that. So we have a pretty small, important part to play by making sure that semen's handled right and AIing that cow. But what you do six, eight, 12 weeks before that cow gets joined and what you do after that, has got more bearing on that cow being pregnant and uh, this sounds really funny, but I say this to a lot of people: make sure she's in heat when you go to breed that cow. If she's not in heat, she's not going to get pregnant. So, um, but yeah, that's that's it. People just do the basics.
0: Yeah, and I guess yeah, like I say this, we sort of touched on, but really around collars, though, I'm really starting to tell a big story in that uh, heat detection space, aren't they? And timing of insemination oh. as well.
1: Yep. Yep.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, the collars are going to be a, very much a bit of a game changer out there. Some people are not going to get a lot better submission rate uh, with collars than what they would do, but it means that that was one person doing that job all the time. Now you can have several people doing it. Uh, the other side of that is with things like programs and that that we do when it comes to picking up returns, the collars are going to be you know, a little bit more accurate than what we're dealing with KMAS paint and stickers because of those bullying mobs of animals that you can get about it can decipher that information and allows you to get it. So yeah they're going to be they're going to be pretty good if people put the effort in to make collars work then they'll work well if you think you're just going to put collars on cows and it's magically going to happen i think you probably spend a lot of money for an ornament on your cow to be quite honest but yeah they, they they have the ability to to really be a game changer as far as that goes with people without a doubt yeah
0: yeah that's for sure yeah no they're really gaining momentum um I'd be interested, you've got a few, I know you brought a couple of props along there as well, and a big difference between, I guess, Australia and New Zealand, we've got listeners in both places, Australia has a lot of frozen semen, I guess, probably 99% of the semen yeah, we're using is actually frozen, cool. whereas New Zealand's predominantly fresh, Yeah. and uh, that has a bit of a difference in conception with sex semen, but you've got a um, you know a few things there that, around, how do we thaw these straws out properly, because I've heard all sorts of things people sticking it in frozen and waving it around in the yeah. sun and whatever you know there's a lot goes on here so yeah well
1: there's probably there's probably a couple of things in it to start off with you've got uh, what's called mini and maxi straws which is 0.25 of a mil or 0.5, 0.5 of a mil um, maxi straws are slightly bigger you can get maxi straws where they'll, they'll want you not to thaw those straws they've got a little bit more glycanol content in them and they'll like you to put them in your pocket pocket thaw them that was developed, uh, my belief was developed because they didn't want to cook them in water. Most semen can get overcooked in water. So, yeah, you've got uh, that around itself and you, obviously you had mini straws which are out there. You can get mini straws off one particular company that has a bubble in the middle of it. They like you to shake the bubble out after you've thawed the semen. That's the freezing process. They never sold that technology to the rest of the world, so no one else got it. And of course, you've got fresh semen that's used in New Zealand because the amount of cows and the the system they've got done there, they can get it, move it around pretty efficiently. And, you know, the product works really well as far as that goes. Uh, In Australia here, you'd you'd go broke trying to make a fresh semen run out of this country because everyone's joining cows at different times. So to give you an idea, New Genes generally AI's cows every day of the year. We try not to AI Christmas Day, but we know we've got a few people that go and do it, but even in the middle of February, we've got cows that are getting joined at the moment in our business. So it, it, it's it's a year-round business. So you're using frozen semen all the time. So the, the big one with frozen semen is keeping it in a, a liquid uh, nitrogen storage container. Now, the, the hard part people understand is the numbers on the side of that tank will tell you how many weeks before you've got to fill that tank. So you might get a, uh, a large tank, of so 4711, which is what it gets shipped between countries with. But you might get something like an 18XT or something like that, is an 18 week holding tank, uh, which means that you've got up to 18 weeks to fill it. Now, if, that, if there's an inch of nitrogen in the bottom of that tank, that semen's still okay. It's still cold. It doesn't have to be under liquid nitrogen all the time, it's sitting in that cold environment. But most tanks get filled between nine and 12 weeks for a safety factor, which is a pretty good one. They'll burn nitrogen at different levels according to the weather and things like that, how often do you open the tank and those things. But bringing it up out of the tank, well, when you get old like I am wearing glasses, you like to get closer to the neck and you, you don't want to bring it out of the tank. You want to keep it at least at least three inches below the neck of that tank. So to have them identified when you get semen packs pretty pretty important as well when you're picking it out. Um, but, yeah, a couple of things I've got here. I bought the Thor you Unit know, along. see if we can get it in there. This is just an electronic one here, 12-volta. Uh, these things, that you can get a couple of brands what many people don't realise is this little thing in the middle of it is to help you to pick semen up out of the water when you got it in there so you can actually use that to pick it up it's not just there to drop stuff into or have it, it's a base to keep the semen off the bottom of the thaw as well but you can also pick it up um, and you should be changing that water every couple of days minimum um, if you've got one sitting on your farm uh, best not to leave it plugged in 24 hours a day 7 days a week, they will creep temperature So, and by putting semen in them and getting straws out of them and those sort of things, the water eventually does get dirty and you want to keep this stuff clean and bacteria-free. So, but yeah, if you're doing it professionally, you generally swap in your water every couple of days minimum as you go with that. If you get a burst straw in it, which can happen, then um, then you clean the water out and go with that. The most important thing when you've got one of these stores that plugs in, they got little lights on them, little red and green lights, which are a bit hard to see on this. They'll let you know if the temperature's pretty right. The most important thing is to get yourself a thermometer, one of those ones, or the old, uh, the old glass one here as well, if you've got one. It tells you it's not such a warm day in Victoria today because it's about 19 degrees. But you want to test it. You want to test it regularly every time before you put semen in it. Um, the reason what being, what
0: you temperature is you that? you're Dipping
1: your finger in the water.
0: Yeah. What, what temperature is that?
1: So this is between between 35 and 37, according to the manual. Yep. personal preference to me is around 35 to 35 and a half degrees once you get over that 36 37 body temperature and obviously a lot higher you've got that ability to cook semen so it starts to cook at that little bit and 35 store it so the idea is you get a straw thawed go from solid frozen minus 196 is what it is when it's in liquid nitrogen to 37 and get it evenly up to that body temperature pretty quickly um and if you can keep it around that around that 35 to 36, you're pretty right. You don't have any dangers with it. And people that mix water with it like to dip their finger in. That doesn't work. Some people are stronger, tougher than others. Uh, some people, you know, just don't like doing it. So you've got the thermometer in there that you can test it before you do it. Um, we have one near where I live where the fella leaves it plugged in all the time and he says it works pretty well. And then I was there one day giving him a hand and I just threw him a thermometer in because I'm like that sort of person. And it was 41 degrees. Oh dear. And he had no idea. And I said, right. So let's get the other. So I carry two thermometers because you get a bit anal about doing this stuff and threw the other one in and it came back at 41 degrees as well. So and on the bottom of these Thoras you can undo that bottom and there's a little, little gauge in there with which you put a blade screwdriver in and can change the temperature of it. And it said 35 degrees on his but they do need testing every year to see if they keep water right. So we adjusted that. And funnily enough, he said his his cows getting a calf was going a little better because he might have left some of those straws in there for several minutes instead of just 20 to 30 or 45 seconds, depending on what you get. You can buy a brand of Thor out there. I think Genetics Australia and others sell them as well with a timer on it, with a temperature and a timer on it. So if you want to do that for 20 or 25 or 30, whatever you like, it'll let you know. So um Checking your thaw unit's really important. Now, your fresh guys in New Zealand, well, you're laughing. You don't have to worry about that. It comes packed while you're in a container. It's about 15 degrees, give or take a couple of degrees Celsius. As long as you're not putting it out in the sunlight and killing it, that's a pretty easy one to go with. So, you know, fresh is a pretty strong product like that, and so is frozen. Um, It's about two and a half fresh straws. Make one frozen straw of semen. So by the time you've made a straw of semen... You've frozen it down there. You've killed a little bit on the process, as we call it. Thoring it's killed a little bit more. If you pick it up with your fingers instead of using tweezers, the heat of your finger starts to fracture a straw semen down. They get little fracture lines, starts to dint the head of the semen, to cut tails off and all this stuff. So while it's a pretty strong product, it's also, it also can be a bit sensitive in that. So that's where frozen semen, you, you don't get as much out of as fresh ones. And when it's frozen, it's, it's handled correctly from there and you, you don't have any issues with it. But it can be a pretty strong sensitive product. sensitive sounds a bit of an oxymoron, but that's what it is. So, um, yeah, and once you've got, got this stuff out, you know, there's a, there's one of these things we use a lot. It's called a sheet of paper towel. It's vitally important to get that straw of semen in that paper towel. Dry that straw off properly. It's not a vigorous rub up and down with it. If you're living in the Northern Hemisphere where it gets really cold and it does down to South Island and New Zealand, they'll breathe on it to warm the paper towel up. Again, you don't have to worry about that in November down there, hopefully. But you'll you'll, you'll wipe that straw seam when you get all the moisture off it. That is the most important thing. Uh, once that straw is thawed and you've got all that moisture off it, you can grab it, put it in your breeding gun or your AI gun there and off you go with it. Uh, but yeah, moisture is a killer. A little tiny drop of moisture, there's a slide in there with, under cogent. Uh, they'll have some slides and they'll show you what a drop of water does and it just kills steam and it's just dead on the microscope. So um, so that piece of paper is pretty important for that. <laughs> Excuse me. Now, the next thing is a pair of scissors or a straw cutter. Scissors is what we tend to use instead of straw cutters. Some like uh, straw cutters. Sharp for one thing. Make sure they're sharp and make sure they're wiped clean before and after you you cut the top off semen. Now, if you've got three or four straws of the same bull, then you can go and cut those and then wipe them again. If you've got different ones, obviously you're wiping in between. The embarrassment of that is one of the ET vets one day over in uh, in Gippsland where I used to live, Jersey and Holstein doing a bit of ET. Just a little bit of semen lived on the on the scissors, and that's where they think they got the extra calf from. But anyway, whoops, breed of calf. But that idea of doing that, keeping it clean again, you. You've gone to the The trouble of getting this and getting it going. The second it takes to wipe the scissors and keep it clean, paramount. You've opened up a straw seam and now you're going to be putting it in a cow. So, uh, you know, that's a that's – a, they're vital. People don't realise how vital it is to have sharp, clean scissors all the time. And probably one of the other ones that uh, when it comes to people and DIYs doing their work and the rest of it, and I say it to all the people that work in our business, use lube when you're breeding cows and use a lot of it pretty cheap stuff it's pretty slippery it saves your shoulder it's good for the cow Uh, there's a lot of people that don't think that because manure is wet they go in with it but if you use lube you'll do yourself a favor in the cow and you'll be a lot better off with it so you know they're they're some of the little things everyone talks about the other stuff but they're the ones i look on the side um and you'll be surprised how much easier it is and how much better you can get things going they're the things one percent as we talk in our game and there's some of the one percenters. I think they're pretty important.
0: There's a lot, isn't there? You know, you think poor old cow, she's carved and got all this you know, environmental factors and is she being fed right? And then you get a lot of chinks in the chain there um, that can actually cause potential problems. And I guess it's pretty easy to point the finger at the uh, AI tech too, if you have a poor, poor conception.
1: Yeah. yeah, well, it is, Andrew. And it's one of those things, if you do all these little things right, and you do them, you get a routine and you're following it, then professionally, you don't leave yourself open for people to ask you questions about it um, personally when you're on the farm you know you haven't taken shortcuts so you've done all the right things you can to make sure you get these cows pregnant because that's what you're looking to do and when you're looking at one percent you know we we talk in uh, people talking conception rates or pregnancy rates we talk in pregnancy rates you get one extra one out of a hundred a lot of money comes into the business you know so you know a dairy farmer talks about one extra calving cow i think i saw somewhere on a dairy australia website, it's about Three hundred ninety-six dollars, or don't quote me on that, pretty close to it. It's a pretty good return on money. So
0: yeah, that's right. But it, so yeah, even yeah. Um, skipping a heat, you know, or um, yeah, you're dead right. It, it certainly adds up. You, yep. You've seen a big transition into sex semen. You know, I've had a fair bit going on with the Bobby calf gig, and really, sex seems like it's taken off in the last sort of two to three seasons, even more so. Yeah. so exponentially. how's that changed the game for you? Um, oh, that's yeah.
1: that's that that's been a. Uh, a massive change in a good way but yeah it's um so when it first came out of course everyone was worried about you know it's a lower conception rate and all this sort of stuff so that that opened people's expectations not to not to think they're going to get great results out of it and it's changed so much now if you ever get a chance to tour the lab with it because most of it's made by Sexing technologies um, except the abs have their own product um but, yeah, I can't remember what machine they're up to. It's 10 or 11 or whatever it is. And the, the speed which they can sort it now and how softer it is on it when it used to be, you know, it was a bit like trying to sort it with spoons before when you look at it, compare what it is now. So it's 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 as robust a product as what we call conventional semen nowadays, in my opinion. Uh, but the big shift in sex semen in the last few years uh, – so I'll go back uh, 2016 – we did one timed AI, fixed-timed AI program on 120 cows, and they had 30 cows lined up for sex semen on that program. It was the first one that we did when we were putting sex into it. Uh, last year in the in the autumn period, we did a 460-cow fixed-timed AI, and the whole thing was just sex semen, and that was unheard of. Now, you'll get a slightly lower uh, pregnancy rate out of it, but it's not a lot. There's still the factors of all those things to do with it. So the fact that people are accepting those sort of results now and getting that, but um, it's, but it also brought back into people how important it is to handle this product and do it, how to thaw it properly, how to ha- pull it out of the tank properly, while we're wiping it, while we get water. So it brought back into, into the industry this idea of doing things properly again because it was sex semen. It cost me a lot of money. I'm not going to get as many. I've got to do this right. It was quite funny. I remember having a chat with the bloke one right day. I said, so, so, what changed? So, before you just went, Ah, it's conventional. I don't care. I'll just do whatever. And you accepted it. Now you've spent a few dollars more and you've gone back to doing things properly. So, it, it's been a pretty good wake up for a lot of people. And, uh, you know, not loading too many guns at a time, what you can AI, and everyone's different in that space to what they do or their facilities. So, that's changed as far as that's gone. Um, you know, and same with heifers. It's just about exclusive now that all the heifer programs we do are sex semen all the time. And why wouldn't you? You know, it's going to have a heifer calf. Generally, they're smaller. Uh, you're going to get the breed of sex that you want out of the calf, all those sort of things. It's better for the heifers as far as that goes. Uh, coming into cows as well. Uh, then it turns into what you do with beef calves, which is coming into it. So the bobby calf market. The bobby calf market in Daring, in my opinion, is not going to flood the beef market. There's 24 million beef cows. There's 1.3 million dairy cows. So in Australia, it's not going to be a big issue. New Zealand's a bit different. They've got quite a big bobby calf market there. It depends on what they're going to do with their calf rares and those sorts of things there. So uh, that's that's a, be a bit of a changer for them as they come into it. Um, the ability to get all your replacements up early. So on some of the corporate farms we deal with, And some of the family farms, but most family farms are a little better at this, but if you're a heifer calf born after 35 days of calving, you're probably not going to make it into the herd on a big corporate farm. They just don't get reared. They're 35 days behind. There's some weight factors, the growth factors, where you're going to it. Um, And that's not a hard and fast rule because there's obviously people that do a great job rearing calves and they get them all up there or they'll join them. But in some of those situations, they are. So for them to have all their heifer calves early, that's a big changer as far as them, as they go. Um, the other one has been a bit interesting was when you work in this industry, people talk a bit about cows and breeds of cows and sires and this stuff. And we all get a bit excited about it. Sex semen brought that conversations back to us. Before that, it was just a cow. You know, you're breeding this cow. Hope I get a heifer calf. Now, all of a sudden, it's, uh, oh, that's 363. She's had a heifer calf before. I want another one out of her. So people... Going back to understanding a bit about some of their herd, which is a nice thing to have, because that's what you like when you're spending their time people breeding cows. So, yeah, it's it's changed it. It's changed people's ideas of cows as well and what they get, without a doubt. Yep,
0: amazing. Yeah, how we can <laughs> shift and pivot like that. Talk to farmers in the spring. You know, they have a big run of bulls. I'm going to ask this question: Do they take the male sperm out and put it in another straw?
1: Well. You know, like, look, let's let's just start a thing here. You can buy that semen; it's called leftover leftover dairy semen. You can buy it cheaper and make more margin on it. Sell it to farmers. Say, so, yeah, uh, no, they don't know. It's very really interesting. You you get that all the time. I can tell you, it was amazing when it first started. People say, oh, I reckon they use all the bull semen in there. Go, yeah, sure they do. Um, No, they don't. But people get a run of it. Um, I guess nature's a pretty interesting thing. We used to think of. People used to make comments back in the day that certain bulls threw more heifers, uh, more heifers than bulls. Um, I don't know whether it's got to do with the fertility of semen or nature being what it is. I don't know. But it's a great great myth we all like to talk about. I can tell you now when they used to first sort it, you had female semen and wasted product, and now they've got female and male and they've got wasted product. So, no, I think it's just just the way that it is. I think if you uh, – I guess – what I'd probably say to that is, if you show me the data that you're, you're disproportionately that bad with it, then we can look at it. Other than that, it's just an urban myth that comes about, yeah. Yeah,
0: uh, it's a crappy here at all the time, and it's um, oh, actually, yeah. you know, I saw that bull in the catalog, and it was in Sext and now I've had this run of bulls. Um, so yeah, I think...
1: yeah. Well, of course, <laughs> when you get your first bull calf out, and when you use sex semen, that's the world finishes for you is the first time you get one. You know, <laughs> this product's no good, and all the rest of it. And um, you know, I remember talking to one farmer one day, and I said to her. So did that cow actually have that calf or did, well, I don't know. I said, then if you don't know, we ain't going to know. You can DNA it now. You can find that out, which is the next thing. But uh, no, it's a good myth. That's that's how the bull farms make their money nowadays. So
0: Yeah, yeah. No, you can't beat a good rumour. Yeah, anyway, myth uh, busted. Thanks for that. Uh, uh, we, I guess the elephant in the room for the whole industry really is staff, um, you know, struggling for staff, dairy farmers, the, you know, the herd improvement organisation is all, all the same. And what this really shown us is that we're really reliant on that um, international traveller, um, the backpackers, you know, the guys from Ireland and Kiwis that were coming over to do those big runs, especially for us in the spring here in Tassie. We're probably a little bit more like... New Zealand as far as that intense time of insemination I know NHIA are doing a fair bit in this space around um, building capability of local people and to become inseminators and training are you able to run us a little bit through what sort of uh, ideas you've got around that
1: yeah so um so I'll go back a little step with that we've always had people come out from overseas for quite a while And then, of course, because the amount of breeding that's done in the um, year round now, it's changed the requirements what we want. So, in Western Victoria, where I live now, a lot of people in Western Victoria used to go to Northern Victoria and AI in the springtime. And some used to head down to Tassie and Gippsland always was basically mainly um, spring as well, especially the MID, Mafra area, massive amount of cows that would join there in the spring. Change in droughts, water, milk payments, these sort of things changed that. So hardly anyone from Northern Vic, uh, from Western Victoria sorry, goes to Northern Vic. In fact, Northern Vic now joins more autumn cows and generally springtime. So there's been this massive change. Tasmania stayed the same pretty well. It's predominantly been a spring joining um, process there. So you used to be able to share staff between yourselves internally in Australia, and it was pretty good. And then we get the odd one come from overseas on a bit of a work trip holiday exchange, and it was pretty handy. Well, when this started coming about in the millennial drought period, then we started getting a lot out of New Zealand because, of course, you guys are flat out over there or you're not there anymore. But, uh, you know, October, November to December, depending where you are, there was room to come to Australia and breed cows. So we started to get a lot of New Zealand techs out. And uh, there's no doubt Kiwi techs are good technicians. They know how to AI cows. They've got a pretty good training program and they can do it. One of the big differences we have between Australia and New Zealand is We we do a lot of work with cows out here. Sometimes we turn up to farms and there's not people there or we're doing lots of heifers or we're working with cows a lot, whereas in New Zealand with the way that LIC has it structured to an extent, the farmer's there all the time and they've done that sort of work. So there's a difference in how we've got people. We have a lot of people working with with animals compared to what New Zealand, so we've had to do a little bit of teaching that way. Um, And what's happened with that is that, We've noticed and we do notice that, that the Kiwi techs can really AI cows, but they're not always good at working with cows, but they're pretty good at getting a run sorted and what they do. So with this breakdown that we've had with AI training in that here um, and having a lot of techs come from overseas, we could see what was working and what wasn't. So we started to ask ourselves questions, what do they do in New Zealand to train them? And they got a real intensive course over there. They go basically to the meatworks, which we can't do here at this country, but they can over there. They'll start with a course, and if they're going to be professional at it, they're going to do three or 400, between 200 and 400 over a week's period under pretty close supervision, and they're going to be able to AI cows when they're finished with it, and they can go out and do an apprentice, as they call it, do a run. Over here, we've had to turn to doing our own stuff. So at Eugene's, we've got our own training facility. We can train people up with cows. We worked out pretty quick that we're not real good at training people because the phone's always going on. There's somebody going all the time. We can AI cows, but you've got to put people into training. So going to the NHIA, what's the change with that? What we've looked at is the TAFE colleges are going to do training as well as some private people. Stephen Brown's up in New South Wales. Uh, Paul Kenny's up in Queensland. Those guys are travelling, or Paul Kenny does. Steve's got his courses up there. Uh, There's a couple of locals around here. Andrew Parkinson's going to be doing some. Mark Thompson runs a South... uh, southeast TAFE over in Mount Gambier does a nice job and he's done a bit of work in Tassie as well as the ones here we're going to look at those doing the grassroots AI training of people that want to learn so if you're on a farm you've got staff that want to learn it or someone wants to do it as a career go and start that sort of process of breeding cows if you're looking at to go into a career to do as a profession like myself and plenty of others do out there we're looking at Sending people to New Zealand to do that model. CLIC has allowed us to do that at the moment so we can get that bulk in. Now, there'd be a lot of people that say, oh, why can't you do it in Australia? And there's a couple of reasons. One, we haven't got the facility for it yet. We've got to get the number of cows. Um, they have the meat work facility there. Denmark has the same. In Denmark, which intrigues me that they do this being the country that they are you'll actually go there and breed them and they'll do the dye test with them. And then at the end of the day, you'll get a bunch of breeding tracks that you bred Andrew and they'll put them on the table and say, here this is where you put the dye. So it's a wonderful system. They've also allowed us to do that as well from, uh, from Australia. So, but the idea of that is that you can get people up that have done the two to 400 cows in a week, certainly 300 plus. So when they come back to work for a company like us or any of the others, that they can go out on a run, do their cows under supervision, but have the ability to breed cows. If you had six cows line up to breed today, they should be able to do two while you did the four and get people into it. Once we get people into this, then there's plenty of other things we do, apart from the obviously said freeze-branding, dehorning. We take blood for pregnancy. We also do it in milk. Um, So there's a bit of herd recording with that. We have ultrasound preg testing, which we can do as well. So you start to build up a, a case for people that got a job that they can work with. But, yeah, to get into the the AI stuff and to go with it, uh, that's one of the big things. And with COVID happening, we're pretty fortunate. We got five people in from New Zealand ourselves through who we dealt with with the government to get in. The industry couldn't get get everybody in, and Tasmania was left pretty short. Uh, They did eventually get them in there because, as I said earlier on with NHA, not everyone realises how important breeding cows is. We only have this small part of the window to put semen in the right place but the value of it as an industry proposition right through just not in daring, but in what it does in areas that daring is because they're generally well off areas is pretty important. So to get back to that, see it there's a worthwhile um, career for people to do. And then also to basically Australians are pretty good at it. We think of a lot of ideas, but we know we can pinch a good one off someone. So that's what we're looking at doing is pinching that bit of a New Zealand slash Danish model and, Using that if we can to get people in, but COVID really showed it up, and it was interesting chatting to some government people about just how short of what the value is. And that, and it's like everything, they just did not know what it was worth to a farm, what it was worth to the dairy industry, and what it was worth to towns as well and communities around the place. So yeah, it's a pretty important little little piece of the pie. It's part of it. Sometimes we like to think it's the only part, but we're not milk, we're not going to milk the cows either. So but yeah.
0: Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, given us some fascinating insights. I hope that um, maybe farmers who are listening to this maybe get a little bit more curious about, you know, when the AI tech's coming up the driveway, it's not just sticking a straw in a cow. You know, there's a big journey and a story and a lot that goes into it. And um, I guess I'd be interested to know, if someone was listening to this podcast, what sort of key takeaway would you like them to come away with? They're probably starting to select their semen now and thinking about spring and programs and sex and not... And I guess engaging a tech or a company as well. Have you got any sort of tips oh, and yeah. tricks?
1: Look, there's probably lots of them. You come up with a lot of them. I think, you know, there's a, there's a manual out there. I've got it got sitting here. The NHIA manual, if, you, if you've got a farm and you can get hold of one of those, have a read of that because that'll have all the pointers in it. Um, you know, take home message genetics-wise. There's been improvement forever and a day. People talk about what it is. If you're selecting out of the top, you know the good bulls guide in Australia we have it here, but you're selecting out of the top 100 to 150 or 200 bulls, depending on what you're in, you're not going to go far wrong. So you're always going to be making gains out of that. So that's one that comes in there. Um, thinking a little bit about joining your cows and and why it's important and why is your farmer? I've got a I've got a, a beef farmer that I, I do AI for, and he's interesting because he's always wanted to cut corners, and uh, and I keep saying to him, I said, so what's your job? And what do you do? Oh, well, yeah. I said, Well, that's what your job is. So today we're breeding cows, so that's what we're concentrating on, not worrying about what's happening else is there. So it's one of those jobs where you engage a lot of people in it and you just want to make sure you do the little things right all the time. Consistency through it, doing the same things right. And don't be afraid to ring up and ask some people and go through some of this stuff. Or if you've got people at your herd improvement center or your business you deal with and you've got staff, if you're a DIY, um get someone to come out and go through some of this stuff and show you what, what what to do with that. That's that's always an important thing. But the biggest take-home message I can't stress enough is make sure you catch those cows on heat. Don't don't allow them to get past. Because after after that, if they're not on heat, we've got nothing to go with. But yeah, that's my my take-home message is that it's the big thing in there. Make sure they're on heat.
0: That's awesome. No, thanks. Really, really appreciate that. You mentioned um the good bulls guide, just if anyone's listening, if they don't. Have that, get on your phone on Google Play or yeah. iPhone store, whatever that one's called, and um, yeah. look up the Good Bulls Guide. It's a fantastic tool to sort cows based on your criteria. It's a really, it's a really good output from um, yeah. Data Gene. And I guess uh, if you are interested in the manual that Adam was talking about or curious about maybe a, a career or something in the insemination game, jump on nhia.org.au, dot N-H-I-A. Org.au. That'd be right, wouldn't it, Adam? Yep. Yep We really want to yep. thank you uh, very much for coming in and sharing your gold with us today. A lot of value there and uh, really appreciate it. Thanks very much.
1: No worries. Thank you for having me. Much appreciated.
0: Thanks for listening to the High Performance Herd podcast. Thanks to the sponsors, Fonterra, IDEX, Coro Diagnostics, Tez Herd, the Tasmanian Dairy Trust, Zoetis, NHIA, Mars Feel free to subscribe and review the podcast. Share it with your friends. The more, the merrier. Jump on Facebook, search the High Performance Herd Project, and you're very welcome to join the High Performance Herd private Facebook group. If you want to see a video of this podcast, jump on YouTube or www highperformanceherd.com where you'll see a link to these sponsors for more information and more information on the High Performance Herd project which is a real life dairy farm spring block farming right here at Tassie. Thanks very much and we'll see you next week.